The impossible has Presented by the good people at the Bod Belly Network. My fellow Americans, we are fortunate to be alive. They need them to protect us from the number one killer in history. Protect us from the Central University. A study on the wise real All right, everybody, welcome to episode 185 of the Art and Jacob Do America podcast. Podcast, I can't talk because me and Art haven't been together in like two weeks. It's been a while. Live. I almost got corona, but it was just a head cold, everybody. Uh, but welcome to episode 185. I am your host in the place to be, Mr. Jacob P. And sitting right across from me is the beautiful brown recluse, Mr. Art Trail. Art, say hello to them. And millions. What's up? Yeah, I'm Art. Uh, hey, guys, I just want to give a quick shout out to Caveman Coffee. Go to cavemancoffee.com, check out their entire inventory of coffee. I'm all about the hibiscus tea, because I don't really fuck with caffeine, but I like their decaf and I like their hibiscus tea a lot. But if you're into their uh, cold brews, Jacob likes a nitro cold brew, check it all out. Uh, they got hoodies, they got hats, they got all kinds of things. Type in America at checkout, you will receive 15% off. And not only will you receive 15% off, but that 15% goes to helping us grow the podcast. It just... Gets us, you know, one penny closer to, like, getting cooler mics or cooler stickers to send out to you guys or whatever it may be. Get some holographs and, going on in the background Yeah, get, we could get a Tupac hologram to, like, dance between me and Jacob the entire mm-hmm. time. That'd be cool. Like a dub C crip walking just the whole time on the table or oh, whatever. Oh, dude. Kind of like Star Wars, like when they're playing that janky chess game or whatever, and it's just holograms and shit that they're yeah. moving. We dude, I never thought about, like, having, like, a, like... Just maybe just like a baby Yoda hologram walking right between it, but um, eggs. yeah, that'd be cool. Um, but yeah, guys, go to capemancoffee.com and take a picture of yourself drinking that shit. Tag us, tag them. We appreciate that. All right, and speaking of sponsors, make sure you check out our other sponsor, guys. The great, the powerful, the flavorful El Yucateco hot sauce, guys. The kings of flavor since 1968. Um, guys, go wherever they sell food and pick yourself up a bottle. They have six delicious flavors. I got right here in front of me a triple, a triple. Uh, uh, this is the black label here. Yeah, triple thing of black <laughs> label. Uh, just because that, that is personally my favorite. That shit tastes good on candy corn. It tastes good on pizzas. It tastes good on... Candy corn? That sounds disgusting. It Surprisingly, it makes the worst candy in the world taste delicious. So, guys, get yourself a bottle. And if they don't sell it wherever you're living at, let's say you live in Saskatchewan or some like remote-ass place like that, go to lucateco.com, go to their shop, enter promo code DOAMERICA, and get yourself 10% off. And then they also, just like Caveman Coffee, they got shirts, they got bikini bottoms, they got thongs, they got slippers. They, they even have like barbecue grill aprons and shit. Oh, yeah, the so, kiss to cook 
type of video? Yeah, so if you if you if you're all about that LE Techo life like Brent from Soap King, uh, go there, enter Do America, get yourself ten percent off, post a picture on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or wherever, farmers meet only, and you know, tag us, tag them so that way they know you're supporting the fucking podcast. So <laughs> with that said, Art, do you want to go ahead and jump to today's topic? Yes. Uh so we have a guest this week. Uh he told me not to hype him up too much, but I want to hype him up a little bit. Yes, I do too. Musician, comedian, all around well-rounded person, Mr. Aaron North. <laughs> uh, dude, uh, native Angelino, right? Like uh, seventh, seventh generation Californian born. Hell yeah. Which, which is really strange for a white person, actually, but a uh, fourth <laughs> generation uh, Angelino. My bird's flying around. Sorry, he's freaking out. He's like, why are you? talking out loud <laughs> um so, so you hear a squawking yeah you could bird anyway but yeah that's um the main reason why i even wanted like there to you know to be on your guys's thing was because it was like all right like dudes from la like i'm so used to like um like ha- having hanging around like people who do stand up and stuff it's like 99 point nine percent of them are from somewhere far away and weird and mm-hmm. so they're all into their shitty teams from their shitty hometowns you know? <laughs> uh, and uh yeah so like yeah this is well there's a number of reasons why yeah i don't relate to most uh people who do stand up or stuff like that but um yeah it's like uh but yeah the fact that you guys are like yeah dodger fans and laker fans obviously yeah like so for life uh, it's because it's yeah something that i don't get really that often in around stand-up people you oh. know you know what was really cool like you know when i first asked you to you know if you were interested in coming on all this stuff and you're i think the dodgers had just won right the dodgers yeah. went after mm-hmm. a second okay so the dodgers had won and you had mentioned that and i was like dude that's badass usually whenever there's a musician they're they're like really into the arts or something like that and they're like don't fuck around with sports like sports mm-hmm. is like beneath them or something like mm. They're just, yeah. you know, like, and I get that element of it, but it, I thought it was really cool. I was like, dude, that's legit. Like, that's just like one more like layer of the onion that we can like discuss or whatever. Just because like we're yeah. huge sports chunkies. Like, mm-hmm. Jacob's a big Dodgers fan, and like, you know, like that. You know, I it meant a lot. Like, one of the first yeah. gifts, like he, he recently had a baby, like, almost like a year ago, right? He's yeah, like he's eight. nine months. But like right before the Dodgers won, I was like, dude, let me let me get this like little kid a. I think it was like a Dodger shirt and all this stuff. So I know like sports meant like, like just like growing up in sports. Like you had a story earlier that you said. Yeah, oh, well, well, and like again, I'm, I'm a, I'm a lot older than you guys are. So like <laughs> I, I'm, I can remember stuff um, that people just talk about, you know, in in the past tense all the time. But I, I could vividly remember like 1988 specifically. I have very fond memories of that that was a great year right that was mm-hmm. i remember i remember going back to back with the lakers because it was like we shouldn't have you know like the year before with the celtics it was like no they deserved that they were better you know than the celtics but like 88 against the Pistons, like in game six when isaiah thomas scored like 25 points in the third quarter like out of nowhere and like he put up like on one leg, mm-hmm. you know, and like when he put that shot up, like over Cooper, like it was ridiculous. Like they should have lost. Like they shouldn't have won in '88. The Lakers shouldn't have. So that 
that was, you know, earlier in the year in the summer. Like, so when they did that, that was like, and at the time, the team hadn't gone back to back in the NBA in like 20 years mm-hmm. plus, right? Like since the 60s, um, since the Celtics, right? Like, yeah. so it was a big deal um, for the Lakers to win, first of all, right? Like, and, and, and yeah, Kareem by then was like past his prime. And it was like that, like we knew that like we like squeaked by, like the Pistons were better. You know, the Pistons were like- The bad boys. And then, yeah, because the, the, the next year they just like, they just like- like obliterated us you know like anyway and then yeah like because i grew up i grew up in the south bay too so it was like the forum was like down the street you know oh. it was like and it was kind of like a, the forum and going to the forum it was a huge part of my childhood right it was like dude, i saw the circus there i saw the harlem globetrotters there i saw indoor soccer there i saw mm-hmm all kinds of crazy stuff. Right. But then also like Laker games, like, yeah, like growing up, like you could get into the way you had to get into Laker games was like, you just give the kid at the back door, like 20 bucks and he'll, like, <laughs> let you in. Um, because like the games were always all sold out because they yeah. were, you know, it was the Showtime Lakers for the Kings. My dad got, had season tickets forever and had them back when the Kings were still, you know, wearing the purple and gold and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And that. there would be like two or 3000 people in the arena, you know, like during the game, uh, it would, it was like a ghost town. It'd be like the LA Kings against like the Hartford Whalers or whatever. And there'd be, you know, you could watch the rats running around and like <laughs> eating the popcorn and the hot dogs, yeah. you know, in the, in the aisleways and stuff. But like those ugly ass orange and yellow. And then I saw, yeah, I saw Nirvana play there. I saw, I saw, uh, yeah, Pantera and oh. Sabbath and that, yeah, that was that was a weird show. That was like the first time Sabbath got back together. And then okay. I, I saw I saw Dio sing with Sabbath there. But like yeah, anyway. Um, but for sports things, like yeah, it was it it was like it. We took I took it personal. Like I still to this day can't mm-hmm. stand people from from Boston or mm-hmm. not who are Boston sports fans, maybe specifically like, yep. uh, I mean, like uh, if I get into like, a, I can get into a heated conversation with people quickly, you know? Yep. Um, but yeah, I, maybe it's like, a, yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's some sort of like a notion that it's maybe it's not cool or something to like sports or whatever that is. Um, I, I don't know. Like um, I don't, I, I never wanted to be like uh, just cause you, follow a team or you watch sports or where it doesn't mean that you have to like uh i don't know like i i uh i don't want to be i'm not idolizing those people i don't i never i never wanted to be you know it's like i, I admired them you know like mm-hmm. i never who would want who would want to be beethoven or mozart <laughs> or whatever right you'd have to like all you'd be able to eat would be like liver and whatever yeah, yeah, <laughs> shit in a pot by the side of the bed it would suck right or who wants to be like i didn't want to be i i knew I, I couldn't be kareem you know it's like i wanted to be i wanted to be like i wanted when i was like yeah nine years old i wanted to like grow up and i wanted to be on the lake i wanted to be yep you know i, I wanted to like yeah do a fast break james worthy was my favorite player like i, I just like i the Lakers were like the first team like that 87, 80, I can still to this day, I can name every guy on the team mm-hmm. down to the 12th man, you know, like, 
all those dudes like um and then with the dodgers it was like one of those things where they they weren't supposed to be there whatsoever and it was the whole feeling the whole time was like they're going to get blown out because it was it wasn't just the a's it was like dude it was it was the a jose canseco mark mcguire like at their like bash brother peak right and it was like these guys are gonna completely destroy the dot like the Dodgers had already like going into the series. It was like, well, yeah, Gibson's not even going to play, and this, that, and the other. It was like they were completely depleted. There was just there was there was no way, right? Mm-hmm. One of the first things I remember in that first game was Canseco hit hit a home run that was just like it bounced off a camera. It was just like, yeah, these guys are going to destroy us, <laughs> right? And then and then uh, like the first play, after my parents got divorced, my the first place my mom had. Um, and I was staying, I was sitting on her floor and it was like me and my sister game one watching it. Like, and my mom was on like a date or something like that. <laughs> and, uh, we just like, like we watched it happen. Like we, when Kirk Gibson hit the home run to, to win the first game, and it was like, we just lost our mind, you know, it's like, yeah. I, but I, yeah, it's like, it's not. And then from there, it was kind of like, it was kind of a blur, but it was like, yeah, they, they, the A's won like I think one game up north, but mm-hmm. it was like that whole um, that whole year. That was a good year. '88 was a good year. It was just there, there's something that like I've tried to explain it. Like because my my girlfriend's a good example where she's not from here, and and I was trying to explain to her like like what was cool about you know or why the Dodgers the Dodgers thing for me this year. It's like it's yeah I, you know I hate to compare because they're mm-hmm. I can't compare and. Lakers, like, or to me, Kings is the same thing. You know, I'm like, you put, yeah, Lakers, Kings, Dodgers, and then I'm, see, I'm probably even different on football things than, like, say, people your generation, because my generation, like, is the generation where we had, like, I'm a Raiders fan, because when they were the L.A. Raiders, like, they mm-hmm. were only ever the L.A. Raiders to me, mm-hmm. like, I born in 79, you know, like, so like by the time, like they're the nearest team, people forget that like, even though they were the LA Rams, they played in Angel Stadium. You know, they played in Anaheim. So to me, they were the Anaheim Rams, right? Yeah. Not, nothing against that, but it was like, it's like, look, for me, like my team, I can go, I should be able to get to their games, you know, like down the whatever. street. Whatever, that's the, my team. They live down the street. So that's like who I follow, right? So I was like, a. I'm a Raiders. I was a Raiders fan. You know, Marcus Allen, you know, dude, Bo, Bo Jackson. Jackson, like what all the dude, dude, Tim Brown, all dude, like that was my team. And then when they left, it's like, dude, and talk about like a, a double good, like this year, 2020 was, it was the, the Lakers and the Dodgers. Yeah. Within days, right. A couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, but like when the Raiders and the Rams leaving, it was like that. It was like the, that, that chick who owned the Rams or whatever, she was out of there. We knew that, but like, it was so sudden where it was like all of a sudden, yeah, there was no team in LA. So it was like people my age, like you, they either, you know, just, you can't, I couldn't change my allegiance, you know, or whatever in that regard, but, but it's kind of like, yeah, it's so in football as much, I don't have as much of a dog in the race, you know, and I'm not as big of a football fan either. Honestly, football's the only sport I didn't play, you know, mm-hmm. like I think I probably, yeah, because I played baseball, I played, you know, basketball and I, I played hockey and stuff. So it's like football, I was just, I, 
I got to that point, like, you know, we do like, it's like around seventh, maybe eighth grade where like, you realize you're just not gonna, it's like, I'm, yeah, I'm not gonna be, James I'm not gonna Worthy. be starting for the Lakers or anybody. <laughs> yeah, it's like, because I, I can't, you know, Dude, anyway. Uh, you like speak like directly to me. You said that like you're like a whole lot older than me, but like at the same time, I feel like we, we mirrored our childhoods because everything you just said, <clears throat> starting with 88, like I remember being on my dad's lap watching yeah. Kirk Gibson hit that home run and just, it seems like all of Southern California was erupting. Cause I remember every, that's my first Dodger memory. And I remember everybody yeah. in the house yeah. just like erupting and our house was a little bit toxic. So for everybody to be happy at one time was a big deal. And so that was always a cherished memory. Yeah. And then fast forward to 2020, I have a son and he was sitting on my lap when Julio Urias, when he hit that last, you know, strike, you know, to get, you know, the win. And I just remember just like went like tears welling up in my eyes because it was just so poetic that, you know, here I am, you know, 32 years later, you know, my baby sitting on my lap, just like I was sitting on my dad's lap and I'm just getting goosebumps again, talking about it. And then yeah. again with the Lakers, like, I mean, we've gotten the pleasure of seeing the Lakers win it, you know, in the late eighties and then, you know, you know, Shaq and Kobe and then Kobe and Gasol, yeah. but like just something just like to get that redemption where it was just like, I feel like we were the best team in the regular season. Corona happened. We didn't know what was happening, but we were just streaking hard. We were beating all the teams that we weren't supposed to beat like Milwaukee, like Boston, fuck Boston. And, yeah. you know, we were beating, you know, <laughs> players or like teams that were, you know, the champions like Toronto, just all these, these, these difficult tasks we were passing and we were surging. And I was like, Oh my God, we might be able to win it. And I fucking love Anthony Davis. You know, even when he was with the Pelicans, he was yeah. like my favorite player or one of my favorite players. And it kind of felt like, you know, when Shaq came to the Lakers, cause Shaq was with the magic and he was one of my favorite players. And just to see that again, it was like, Oh my God, 88. I remember being there with my dad yeah. and my uncle, like watching those Laker games, watching, you know, the Isaiah Thomas yeah. game on, on one leg, you know, fuck us yeah. up. And then somehow we get the series and then watching, you know, the Lakers just tear through, you know, the playoffs and win it. And I was like, that's beautiful. My son gets to see this, you know, his first year of life, just like mine. And then, yeah. I'll, then the Dodgers do it, you know, two weeks later again, they weren't supposed to do it because yeah. I remember that series against Atlanta they were down 3-1, and they got fucking yeah. demolished. And I yeah. was just like, well, here's another upset. And I think the Dodgers meant a little bit more because it was 32 years. We, yeah, I, the Dodgers definitely meant more to the city of L.A. Like, it's yeah. just been so long. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. and, and, like, you knew the Lakers championship was coming. If it wasn't going to be this year, that team was coming. I think they're probably going to win it again next year. Yeah. But, like... Like, yeah, I th yeah, I think it was inevitable. Like, the, the feeling with, with the Lakers was kind of like, uh, that that, that should have, especially because the way their path, like, through the playoffs was, was was a lot different, where it was like, once the Clippers got knocked out, right, it was like, well, well this is done, right? We knew yeah. that it was like, they're, they're, they got this. It's like, with the, with the Dodgers, it was crazy, right? Yeah, because it, yeah. it was that, it was going down in that Atlanta, against Atlanta, and it, it and then it was like... Um, like, we felt this pain before with, like, Kershaw giving the game away. It's just like, another year of yeah. doing this. And I remember the Piazza years, because we have the, we used to have the Bakersfield Dodgers here, and so we would see Mike Piazza before he would go to the Dodgers. We would yeah. see Hideo Nomo before he would go to the Dodgers. We would see, you know, Eric Carroll's, you know, Raul Montes. Yeah, yeah. We'd see all those players... You know, and we're like, oh, my God, this is going to be the guy that's going to bring us back to the promised land. And it was just 32 years of a lot of that, you know. Yeah. And to finally get it, like, even, like, you know, two strikes in, 
I was like, all right, Julio, don't fuck this up, you know, because that's the kind of conditioning us Dodgers fans have always had. It's just like there's yeah. always going to be a heartbreak. You know, that Houston series, like we should have had that championship. Then we lose oh, to well, – they, they cheated. So, yeah. like, you also know, like that's the other part about it that is kind of – or at least was – not scary, but it was like – well, there was never any certainty with the thing with the Dodgers because it was like they – we had just got screwed. See, I, I, I think that the Red Sox cheated too. Mm-hmm. Well, the they had the same after. guys, yeah. <laughs> well, here's a, yeah, exactly. It's like, and I think Mookie knows that his, no one's going to say anything because it's fucked up because it's like, right, Mookie was on that team. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, and so was, uh, what's the picture dude? Uh, uh, oh, fuck shit. It. Uh, <laughs> dude who, uh, uh, dude who threw at that dude. Why, why am I? Kelly. Joe Kelly. There you go. Joe Kelly, right? Um, anyway, uh, the, the guy, yeah, right? Yep. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I think they cheated too. So, yeah, we, we got used to, for a couple years there, where it's like, especially when you were, when you were a, if you're a Dodgers fan who watched them throughout those seasons, you were like, you knew that they were better than everybody. You're like, they, they shouldn't lose to this team. Like, the way they were teeing off of you, Darvish, was strange, right? Yeah. Like, at the time, it was like, I just remember thinking, this is, that, this is weird. Like, like, it's like, they're, they're, like, just squaring up, like, stuff that, like, like, yeah, like, they knew exactly what was happening. And at the time, too, it was like, where it was the type of thing where we couldn't prove it yet. But the Dodgers knew something. We, you could tell something was up because they would have the mound break every, like, other pitch, right? Yep. Because it was like they'd have to by hand, like be like change. We can't change the signs anymore, so I'm just going to throw you this or whatever. And they, like because we knew they were stealing everything, right? So it was like anyway, like we didn't the, with 2020. It was like yeah, this could any second now. It, it just didn't. It, yeah, who knew what? Would, you think about it, if they would have lost, if they would have lost Game Six, mm-hmm. what would happen then? Because they would have known that Justin Turner would have been. Out. He wouldn't have been able to play because he had, would have had COVID, right? Correct. And 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 Bellinger, we know now, dude, he had he just had surgery on his arm, so that you know, like, so that yeah. his arm had been knocked out for the, the entirety of that series. Like, I don't know, but um, no, it was cool. Like, and and it was the same. Like, uh, yeah, it did. It meant a little bit more because it was like, I guess maybe because out of LeBron too, you, you just kind of expect that too, you know? Yeah. But, but it was like, um, uh. Yeah, maybe because it's just been so long or whatever. But yeah, like, yeah. Once the Clippers were knocked out, I do think like by far the Lakers, like the gap between the Lakers and the next like team, as far as like talent wise, was just like so much larger. Yeah. And like it was just kind of like you knew that was coming. Like it was just like a buzz saw coming. But I do think that that Dodgers victory, especially after like the whole thing with the Astros, that whole like shenanigans here, like. We have a theater here where we're at, and like the the theater always lets you. Right now, they're like struggling to stay open, so like they'll like. Can I ask you guys where you guys are at? Sorry to interrupt. Oh, we're where, in, we're in Bakersfield, California. Like what part specifically? East Bakersfield. Oh, right on. So like East Bakersfield High stuff like that. This yep. guy went to East Bakersfield High. I went yep. to Highland oh. High School. Okay, right on, right on. Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. my my my, yeah. Uh, People in my family went to East Bakersfield for a while. Like, oh hell yeah! Yeah, like the I don't know if you know, like so the 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 guitar player for Black Flag and and mm-hmm. his brother, so so uh, Pettibone, but his um, and his family uh, they they all went to East Bakersfield 
and then moved like in the mid 70s and uh then they ended up like graduating a couple of them from from mira costa but yeah they the, the family the gins the g-i-n-n gins um came from bakersfield in the, the east bakersfield area Yep. Yeah. There's, a lot, there's a rich history in East Bakersfield with like musicians uh, and stuff like going yeah. all the way to like um, the dome, which is technically still East Bakersfield. Um, but, yeah. you know, two of the guitar players from Corn they went to East Bakersfield High. That's right. Like I remember. See, this is how old I am. Like, I remember I can remember those guys band before Corn. the L.A. was the L.A. LAPD, LA or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, I can remember. Yeah. Oh, fuck, man. The. One of the first bands I was in, I don't, maybe with whatever, way back there. Like our drummer, our first drummer was from Bakersfield. Um, spent a lot, we used to play at Jerry's Pizza all the time. Yep. There was a boxing gym they used to put, have shows. Yeah, that's the, the dome. The yeah. dome, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Like, it, yeah, where you just play in the middle of the. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, like, uh, I, yeah, Bakersfield, I, and because again, like uh, for a while, my my grandfather owned a couple like car dealerships in Bakersfield, going way back. Oh wow! Stuff like that. So Damn, yeah, I didn't know that. So let me ask you right now, what we're like kind of like talking about like music stuff right now that yeah. we kind of me- meshed into that. So obviously, like sports were a big part of your like growing up, but like not to like give you the most generic <laughs> question ever, but like what were some of like your musical influences growing up? Oh, uh, just anything that um, I heard, you know. So it was like, um, again, like I, I, I keep like uh, talking about myself as such a super old person. I, like I'm not trying to like uh, be so self denigrating, but um, <laughs> like <laughs> it, it, was though, a, it was <laughs> no, but it's, it was a diff- like trying to explain like the era. Like that, we were just when we were talking about '88. Like at that time, you go to put me, put yourself in a time machine and go to, to ni- 1988. It was like where I grew up. So I grew up in the, the South Bay. So it's like Redondo Beach, Torrance, Gardena. You know, like yeah, my my grandparents and my, my mom's like Manhattan Beach and went to Miracosta High School and that kind of stuff. Um, like. Uh, just the radio at that time. Like if you just had like, we, we were like the set tape generation, right? So like, like if you had like one of those boom boxes that you could record onto a tape, dude, if you could get like living in the South Bay, it's like the radio stuff just sounded incredible. Us to launch from there. So between like, you know, either KNAC or Pirate Radio or K-Rock or like KXOU, like getting KXOU, like where I was like, um, K day, so it was like I could go, I could hear, you know, if I wanted like supersonic, you know, but JJ Fad, you know, I could record it onto my boombox, and then once I had it, it's like if you've got one of these things too, you can have it too. So everyone would tape swap. So it yep. was like every in that era, that's how you did it, right? So it was like you would your friends would be like, if, if you were gonna go to a record store, you'd be like, all right, you buy this, so I can buy this, so that we can swap it and then tape each other's version of it or whatever right yeah i used to have a a double tape deck that my grandma got me and so i used to make like mixes same here yeah for this arabian like this group of arabian kids that like went to our school (laughs) and so like they were just getting into like american music and so like i would hear something like you know bone thugs and harmony or 
you know, yeah. the new like, you know, uh, you know, garbage, you know, song on the radio. And like I would like tape it for him over these like Christian radio tapes that my mom used to get. Yeah. And so you'd hear like, you know, Bone Thugs and Harmony or Dr. Dre or something like that or Nirvana. And then like in between songs, like you would hear like John Hagee saying, and then smite them down from heaven. <laughs> So like I I used to do that and that's yep. how I used to make my money and shit. I, I used to have so like yeah same here. I mean radio was a big part of it for me. Like when me and Jacob were growing up, like at least for me, like my first big like musical influence was like Dr. Dre's The Chronic or something like that. Like yeah. hip hip hop, especially like growing up in like East Bakersfield, like everybody like that was the cool thing to be into was like hip hop music. So, like, getting into, like, Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg and those types of things. And, like, there used to be a channel called The Box or something like that yeah. where, like, you could call in and pay, like, to see whatever music video was on. Uh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, like, me, I have two older sisters, and they would they would watch that sometimes, and I'd be like, oh, cool, like, whatever, like, this is, like, that's cool. And, like, that's what I was into. And we had those, like, I would do the same thing, like, just record things I would find on the radio and, like, after a while, it was funny. Like, I remember, like, switching to different radio stations that weren't the hip-hop station. And, like, I would randomly land on, like, some, like, random rock song. And I'd be mm-hmm. like, I guess I'll record that on here, too. Yeah. For no reason, just because I thought yeah. it was, like, the cool thing to like. But, obviously, it's, like, really, like, pop radio here. <laughs> Especially in Bakersfield. Like, things seem to be, like, more toned down. Like, at least how we grew up, my sisters would always be like, oh, the radio in L.A. is so much better than Bakersfield. Like... That's that was like I don't know if that was true or I was just like fed that like I uh, I mean but see that's maybe kind of like what I was talking about earlier it's like dude there was something that happened specifically in Los Angeles in the late 80s and it kind of ended by the early 90s even mm-hmm. like with radio that was really special where it was like like KNAC for example like every night they had like mandatory Metallica so or like mm-hmm. like you could you would hear stuff that like you assumed was just massive everywhere or whatever. But like in hindsight, it was like, no, like, you know, just because LA was playing different stuff before everybody else, like you were being exposed to things that other people really weren't. That was really like, and if you weren't close minded about it, you could be in like, like, yeah, I was like, like the chronic blew my mind, blew everybody's mind. You know, it's like it, but a little bit like not as much like, well, it blew my mind that, like, I guess kind of, like, I'm su- like I'm such a, like, uh, huge, like, fan of Dre's that, like, I, it's hard for me not to be uh, super critical about a lot of the stuff. Like, that last NWA record that people, it's weird that people don't really talk about it as oh. much. Cause, Eiffel Forzagen? Right. Because, just because Cube had already quit and stuff, but, like, that record is kind of, like, the gate is, like, the, mm-hmm. what leads up to the that's like, like yep. where he's he's the first time where he's really doing that like g funk mm-hmm. thing where it's like slowing it down instead of just the like same old like break beats that you've heard like and it's like the up tempo more like straight out of Compton's kind of almost like yes yeah, it's, it's it feels sounds more new york now exactly it's an east coast it's like that like like the public enemy dudes like the um bomb squad dudes right like fucking, yeah like that kind of production where everything was like up tempo. Dre, mm-hmm. like, for, yeah, like after that EP in between, right? Like, even then, because that's 100 miles and running. Jam, right? Like, yeah, like for that album, just to like, dude, I'm like purposely, I'm gonna just slow all this shit down. Like, so like the tracks that stand out, like, are ones too that, that are probably kind of dated sounding to most people. Like, because 
there's a because that would be 1990 right that last mm-hmm. album chronics like 91 92 right like yep um like the stuff where it was like for whatever reason even like yeah this is fun not to get on like too many segues but like <laughs> like how hip-hop is kind of like whitewashes their history about things and it, it kind of irritates me like when i'm as it sure all older people who like remember like the way it really you know it's like that's like for example like the, like the the nwa movie how they, they leave out how ice cube quits because he wants to go be an architect so he goes to college in arizona yeah Quit the group right like or like why like who's that other dude on the cover of straight out of compton like the, the arabian yeah. prince right it's like yeah. what, what, what what happened like is anyone gonna even mention the fact like he's the one <laughs> dude on the rear like who the hell is that guy yeah um that kind of stuff where it's like um and like so they recorded like all those records that they did like last NWA and it was both all the nwa stuff and then even like stuff that him and arabian prince were doing like arabian prince was did like uh, JJ Fad and stuff like that, mm-hmm. right? But um, that was all done out of a studio in Torrance, in downtown Torrance. And I think they had that in that NWA movie where there was a scene where like the Torrance police threw him up against the hood of the car and stuff, which mm-hmm. I had my own experience with. But that neighborhood, like that's that's a neighborhood, that's really close to the neighborhood I grew up in. Yeah, that's like the, the dudes in Black Flag uh, ran SST. So it, like they had a, a dentist office that they converted into like a uh, a workspace and then also like a rehearsal space. So like Black Flag and the Minutemen and the Descendants and all these bands practiced in the back of this dentist's office that's like still there. Like anyway, but that little area of um, downtown Torrance, like that's uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, I'm I'm I'm. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the first place where I got my ass kicked by a cop. Uh, you know, all that kind of fun stuff. But anyway, um, uh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's beautiful to hear all this. No, I, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm like, oh, I should. Uh, that's probably inappropriate. Just, I'll, I'll bite my tongue on this. That it. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> it, just different times. I don't know. Sorry. Different. It's just a different time. But like, you could. If it was just like if you weren't. If you weren't going to be closed-minded about things, yeah, like it was great because it's like, look, if if because if, if, if if you were the type of kid that was like, well, fuck sports and but jock shit and stuff, that you're probably bummed now because like there was great, like dude, the, the lake, it's the Showtime Lakers are happening right down the street, yep. and the, like dude, before '88, it was like dude, just to go see Fernando to watch Fernando pitch in person, right? It was yeah. like, dude, it was like seeing. That was like better than seeing Santa Claus for me, right? Because it yeah. was just like Fernando was like it. Uh, anyway, but um, he was angelic. Yeah, yeah. It, it was definitely like so. I mean, I wasn't living in LA during that time period, but like, you know, it definitely all feels like it was like, like a magical time. Like to me, like that time period of like the chronic hitting, like all that stuff, felt yeah. felt really magical for me, just because. That's really for me, like around the early '90s when I started to get really into sports and like, and yeah. I just just watching things. I, I wanted to play basketball. Like you were talking about earlier, I was like, I remember when we went to we went to the same junior high. We went to Washington Junior High, and I was part of this after school basketball program. It was basically like all the kids that couldn't make the basketball team were on it because <laughs> they weren't tall enough to do it. So I was part of it, but I love basketball so much. I I still to this day like want to play all every day, but 
you know, yeah. like I'm not gonna be like six foot five, so or uh, yeah, six foot five. Yeah, like, yeah. It, I I ain't growing past the five nine mark. So like, <laughs> it's just I mean, it's still like a passion for me. But that it was that time period just felt really magical for me. Like, and like, you know, you brought up like you know all those like punk bands that were all like doing their like shit around that time period. Like, it felt like it was also a very dangerous time. Like L.A. felt like music felt dangerous. Like Dr. Dre's The Chronic was like actively being burned by like parents that were scared of this stuff and like yeah you know like nine inch nails who i'm sure we'll talk about but like you know th- you know once the the broken ep came out like it, it felt like dangerous like it was not a pop record it was not that sort of thing it, it felt really yeah. like it felt like a like an in your face kind of thing it was unlike anything that was going on and i i guess my question to you is like um you know when you were in 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 during that touring phase which by the way the first time i ever saw nine inch nails was with the with teeth tour mm-hmm. so you were like the first guitar player i ever saw and, and oh, right on. It, i yeah. think it was fresno, the fresno I show I, I saw you when you played the theater in fresno so it was like a smaller venue in fresno so i think oh, it was you saw that was the first show i ever played that was the first show we ever did yeah i think oh, wow. so yeah Very, yeah yeah i remember yeah. that i remember yeah. that and i remember watching you up on stage i was like fuck i wish i could play that well because i i you know you mentioned metallica like i remember i could play every metallica song but like there's like you know that that's a whole other thing like but that's like playing like you know you know beethoven or bach or whatever but there's something like freeing to like the way you play like in nine inch nails was just like fuck i want to play like that you know and i remember going home like after that tour you know the trip up to fresno and then going in you know going home and sitting on my computer and trying to look up like how to play like that so yeah again like art said like you were one of the first guitar players i ever got to see live that that was a fucking amazing show just because at that point nine channels had felt like one of those like mythical bands that i would never get to see and it it had been such a big hiatus from the fragile album to with teeth and so to see that and like yeah, I mean, you were you you were definitely stood out because you were doing all kinds of insane things on stage. Like <laughs> those shows, like that. See, I remember those. That there was like two or three shows. I specifically remember the, that first show though because that was like, like Ernie C, the guitar player for Body Count, was at the first show. Oh wow! Like, like that was the first time where it's like, even though like I'd been you know, playing these songs for months or whatever with these dudes at this time. It's, it wasn't like, you know, we, we hadn't done a show or anything yet. I didn't know what was going to happen live or whatever. And I hadn't been, I'd never been in a band that, clear, I clearly did, had never been in a band that was that famous or whatever you want to, so the fact that like, yeah, like we rolled up and it's in Fresno, but it was like, you know, but like the first thing I saw was like Ernie C from Body Count. I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, okay, <laughs> like, um, is that what, like, is this the way it's gonna be or whatever? But I remember like, like simultaneously somewhere or somewhere right there at the same time too. Like Trent turned like forty or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I remember at that time I was like twenty. I would have been my mid twenties. But I just remember thinking like, whoa, that's that dude's ancient you know like that's <laughs> that's a crazy old man right now and I'm like whoa like this, yeah was, anyway but like uh and then that first show too it was like uh yeah it's like i yeah i, I you don't really know because there's, there's things that happen in practice or rehearsal whatever scenarios that um you don't really know if, if it's gonna how it's you know some people just 
don't do well, some, or, or some people do better than others, but it was, it was like, uh, yeah, like, when, when you get a bunch of people that talented together, it's like, it's not, you can't go wrong, you know, it's just yeah. going to be interesting in some way, it's like, I'd never seen, like, I'm the same as you, like, before that, I had never seen Nine Inch Nails live before, like, this, the one time they played, like, I think they played at the Pond in Anaheim, and like, 99 or whatever that was my band was on tour at the time like i remember like for what somehow we were like on the list to go to the show or something like our booking agent or whatever but but we ended up like agreeing to do some more dates up like pacific Northwest, something weird like that so like i never i'd never seen them live right I, so i missed them out one time um, and I, I never, I haven't seen them since. So it's like, yeah, that was the, my first time seeing them as well was on stage with them. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. A, yeah. It's a cool way to see them live is to be on stage. With them. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I do remember like, um, cause I had never seen Nine Inch Nails and I remember like you had an amp on stage with you and like, um, yeah. you kept like beating the shit out of that amp. And I was like, <laughs> dude. Mm. Is is that amp even plugged in? <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. No, I think uh it's funny that you mentioned that because I like I just like literally hours ago left the place. Like I still own all those same amps that oh, I wow. use that are all like they're all like stacked like I have wait I have this like problem with uh not ever wanting to the, get rid of any of the gear or anything I have. Please I just, don't. I don't like if I, because if I, why would I have it in the first place if I didn't want it anyway? So I just, yeah, there's just amps and drum kits and, and bass amps and you know basses and and guitars and guitars and um, stuff. But um, yeah, like people thought that um, th that was the other thing that was strange or, or was interesting about my um, that Fresno show and, and my uh, my my experience with them or playing with that band. Um, at first was it was like how many the product it was there's just so many more people involved but i was used to like setting up my own i was used to hauling in my own gear setting up my amp myself and because i had done the same thing i didn't like i'd probably speared one of the speakers the night before so i'd have to like solder in all the shit myself and then like you know and then probably put together one of the guitars that i broke the night before and put on all the strings and tune everything up and be ready to go right like um in nails it was like you had a dude like yeah you had guitar techs and stuff you know but like um yeah like uh that's a the, like those amps we had on it wasn't mic'd up but it's like I, it's kind of hard to explain i always had like it was one of those things where it's like what, what other what other time am i gonna have an opportunity to do like a ridiculous guitar rig like a dream rig type thing like if you if you want to get really good because like I, I know it bums people out technical aspects of that stuff but it was like okay if i can have like a, a speaker cabinet like that's mic that's inside a case that's under the stage behind way back there that like so that like if this gets knocked over up here it doesn't matter because we're miking the isolated cab that's like a mile away yeah but that means that i'm still using this cab that's first because i'm slave it's hard to explain it's like a wet, dry, wet rig in stereo, but also like with a fight, like all this dorky stuff where it's like, I'm still creating feedback loop, like, you know, but I'm miking a like 
old ass Fender Twin cab, you know, for that I can also isolate this clean sound and all this crazy stuff where it's like all the pedal dancing that I used to have to do to turn on eight pedals at once. Now I can just hit it, you know, this one switch on this MIDI controlled board and it turns 20 things on at once. So I can go from zero to 60 like that. And I don't have to like do this dance, you know, my bird's squawking at me. What uh, kind of bird do you have, by the way? I, he's a he's a conure. He's a little green cheek conure, which is like a fancy word. He's a parrot. He's a he's like a like he he he's like a, they if the if it was like a dog, like the kind of people who breed those little dogs because they want to keep them in their purses and stuff, you know. Like <laughs> so they specifically breed these like kind of mutated, he's freaky little, to make it cute and small as possible. Uh-huh. He's like one of those where it, it, they're trying to see like how small they could make a parrot or a hook-billed bird which is like the means meaning a smarter bird so he's like the smallest kind of parrot there is basically Ooh. Yeah. that's pretty badass sounds expensive <laughs> well that's the thing yeah i don't pro- probably but i <laughs> i uh he flew into my window one day oh so wow sounds yeah, free i didn't yeah so i didn't i, I I did not buy him. I'm not. I'm honestly not even really a bird person. I'm. I'm, I'm like a dog person. You know. It's like yeah, uh, same here. Yeah. So like, always had dogs and stuff, and didn't know the first thing about birds. You know. But then he flew into the window one day, and, and I like. I saw that he had this little fan on his foot and stuff, and I was like, oh, that's someone's pet. You know. And I so put signs all around the neighborhood and stuff. And uh, this girl that lived down the street was like, oh. Uh, it's my bird, but like we have to move somewhere where they don't let birds. So, do you want this bird? And I was like, oh, okay. You know, by then, like it was talking to me and stuff, you know, and I was like, this is the cutest thing ever. So, I, was, I, <laughs> I don't know anything about it. So, I'll just, so it's been a couple of years now. I'm just kind of like figuring out as I go type of thing, you know, like, <laughs> but uh, now I've got this weird little dinosaur that. <laughs> <laughs> It's. Uh, I'm glad you bring up dinosaurs. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> what, well, one thing. Let me. You said it, uh, it's like a weird dinosaur. Did you? Do you believe that dinosaurs have feathers? Because I sure do. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, starting to believe they do. It, when you see that, when you watch him walk, my, I'm talking about my bird. Like I, I never put that together. Really, the dinosaur. Because again, like I never knew anybody that had a bird. I never got to really see a bird up close. But he looks like a little raptor. Yeah, like the way he yeah. walks. I was and just at a, an ostrich yeah. farm like a a week or two ago, and I was like, yeah. "These are like fucking T Rexes, like running <laughs> around, like their, yeah. their feet look like prehistoric animals." Like, absolutely, that like, thing is weird. We need to send yeah. you like a Micro Machines or like a Hot Wheels like Jeep from like Jurassic Park or whatever, like to have like your bird chase it like down like yeah. your uh, or some shit. I, no, I but I see it like it's 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 almost like alien like the way like he can move or, or react to things like it's like he's in the matrix you know around things like it's it's really crazy there's like i i just never had to pay attention to birds before so i didn't but then once this thing started like asking me questions and stuff <laughs> that's like, weird stuff. that it can talk like yeah like i like i didn't teach it like when he showed up he he, he was saying he, he was like saying pretty bird and stuff and then it was like when he started like saying, what are you doing? And you know, like he would say, it, so he's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? You know, or if it's something where like, he's got different, like, yeah, tones of it too. Like if it, like, 
it's something where I like one time I puked on myself, right? And he was like, "What do you do?" Like, do <laughs> he's judging you. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So, but he's 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 a strange little guy, but he's uh, like way too way too smart for how big he is too. Like it's like he's like a four year old. It's like having a four year old kid, you know, like all where he's just permanently four years old. Okay. Like like in like anything that he wants. That's why I don't because I didn't buy him. You know, I, I have a different relationship with him too, where it was kind of like, all right, like the first, like whatever week or so, it was like, all right, bro, like you're just here for a minute. Like, I don't know, like, I think you eat this stuff. Like we're going to get you back to where you belong type of thing. And someone's going to claim you. And then it was like, you know, like, all right, if, if this thing's really cool. I'm going to keep him around. I don't like, he's uh, it, uh yeah, he's, a, it's, it's way too smart. It's like it's 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 kind of creepy sometimes. You know? like, <laughs> do you find yourself? Do you find yourself like getting out of the shower and making sure he's like not around? Because I have. No, dude, dude, it's weird getting out. Okay, here's what's weird. I'll, I'll give you just a little insight into how weird this. First of all, <laughs> other than the fact that he masturbates, which I didn't know birds masturbated. Oh my like, god, dude! And yeah, no idea. Like he's got a little. I call it his masturbation station. He's like right. Uh, <laughs> Piz, if you want to come over here and hang out, you can hang out. I'm talking about you masturbate. So yeah, it's like most people talk to their pets like like as a like. I don't really see him myself as like his dad or anything. You know, he's just like this dude who like flew into my window. It was like I left out the part. Like this hawk was trying to eat him. Like if I hadn't had let let him in, this hawk had been like where I was living at the time. It was like the 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 back yard was basically this golf course. Like I was living on this place that helped sell it long story, whatever. But like, like this hawk had been like bringing like pigeons that it had like killed to like spot right behind my sliding glass window to eat. And they would tear these pigeons apart and like the feathers would be all, it looked like a pillow had been like let out right there. And so it was like, that was why I I looked because I'm watching TV. I was probably watching a game or something, but, and it was like, it, this this hawk is again gonna like is trying to eat some bird and now I gotta go clean it up because I'm trying to sell this place I'm staying in yeah. and it's like I can't like have like these carcasses of birds like on the back porch <laughs> it looks like creepy as hell right yeah so it's like so I'm I just open the window to like tell the hawk like dude go eat your do, do this somewhere else and instead it's this little like parrot who's like talking shit you know he's just like <laughs> it's like I was like oh this you know and saw the band on its foot thingy <laughs> and it was like yeah that's someone's pet this isn't a pigeon and, and that's why i named one of the reasons why i named him pigeon um, <laughs> so scooped him inside and it's like oh well this is yeah because not knowing anything about birds i'm like this is like you know 20 different colors this is some thousand dollar bird that someone's freaking out about missing and yeah ended up being some girl who's just like uh here no i gotta here take you know She's probably didn't had him out huh that was the other thing too. I could never figure that out. Like what, what happened? Why, why was, yeah, did she let him out on purpose? Cause she said that he escaped. And that was the other thing too. Cause I was, I thought about like, even if I was going to give him back to the girl, it was like, she just, I, I like this guy now. And if she's just going to let him loose, cause she doesn't want to deal with the responsibility. I'm going to be bummed that some bird's going to eat this funny little dude. So you did the Lord's work then. Man. Yeah. Especially, 
I mean, birds are pretty smart, and then that one sounds extra smart if he's like masturbating all over. <laughs> yeah, okay. You say four year old, but at least he's like a fourteen year old. That's a fourteen yeah. year old action there. Yeah, no, he, he's he's so like this happened just this last. This has started recently, so I've had him, you know, two three years coming on. I it's not like this has been. Uh, I talk about it like it's been a couple months, but it's, um, but he like uh, the masturbating thing was was. <laughs> recently and it was like i asked a couple people and they're like yeah that's he's like he's because he's the equivalent in bird he's like about 14 or something now because i mm-hmm. i we figured out that he was yeah he was he was about a year old when i got him and it was kind of like oh no it's appropriate now like he's going through this like stage it's bird puberty thing you know and he, he's got this like mirror that is like this toy with a bell on the end of it that kind of hangs in the corner of his cage and what I caught him do it, he'll he'll put one foot on the cage, like on the on the on the, the side of the cage, and then one foot on the toy, and he'll just kind of start rocking <laughs> back and forth, and then you just hear this like, <laughs> like like yeah, these weird little dinosaur noises that like, and then when he finishes, when he's done, when he's uh, the money shot. Oh, this big release. Um, he like stretched like every feather, every tail feather, every wing. Like this, he like stretched them all out, like around the uh-huh. mirror, the toy, and like stretches every toe out, and then like takes a nap, like a total dude, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's a teenage boy. You need to slide yeah. him a ham sandwich afterwards. He's gonna yeah. he's gonna ask for like a Camaro poster and like some like. I'm trying yeah. to think what I was into. A Baywatch poster. Baywatch poster. Yeah, he's going to want a Pantera poster in his bedroom. You're going to have to put on Channel 99. <laughs> the, the, like, he's going to have that Bob Marley collage poster. The black out. lights and shit. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, coming. He's a, he's a funny, it's a funny little dude, man. Like he, yeah, like because he, he, there's things that he likes to watch on TV and he doesn't, it, like it's different than having a dog. Like if he wants he has to have a shower every day, mm-hmm. and if he doesn't get his little shower, which means I gotta like set up this thing in the sink, and I gotta get the like water the perfect temperature. Like anything he wants, or if he wants to eat, he just looks at the thing he wants, and he literally does this with his head until like I get it for him, you know. Or, and it's so it's different. Like he just and he'll yeah he'll just directly tell me whatever he wants. It's really Ooh, strange. Wow. That's a real. That's way smarter than I was at fourteen. So yeah. <laughs> let, let me ask you this. Uh, so you you uh, you have your uh, comedy show that you've kind of like start doing online. How did you yeah. get into that? And how did you like establish like like getting into segueing from you know being into music and like now being so into comedy and like having i'm sure you have like your crew of comedians that you you know work with yeah well part of the thing like uh or the way that i I guess i I look obviously look at it or see it differently than than um, other people but like um kind of how like we were talking about with the like sports thing where it's like like I'm, i'm glad that i wasn't um you know, or I didn't get, I didn't become close-minded. Like by the time the Lakers got to where they had Kobe and Shaq, you know, I was already in a band that was putting out records and touring the world and stuff. So it was like, you know, I, but like I had moved away from the, the dream of wanting to be an athlete or whatever, but like, but I still liked, I still, and still as I do, you know, 
watching i still appreciate it but like um so i like um i'm like with with the um the uh what the hell was i just talking about man like i'm sorry <laughs> hey my bird squawk making me lose my mind my bird's squawking me hey Susie. sorry no, you're fine sorry everybody i'm, I'm screaming i gotta did you guys hear my bird screaming at me this whole time by the way it's not too yeah. bad. He'll show up sometime. Uh, maybe I can just get him too. Hey, come here. Come here. Hey, come here. Freaking out. Pigeon. So I, na- I named the bird Pigeon because I didn't know if it was a boy or a girl. <laughs> right? Um, nice little unisex name. So, yeah. It's like, and then I also, I, do you guys ever see that show, Mike Tyson's Mysteries? Oh, I yeah. love that show. Yeah. 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 So the, the, the character Pigeon that Norm MacDonald voices, like, he reminded me of bird in the show like it's a bird's little like shit talking little so that was the other thing was naming a pigeon it was <laughs> like a perfect. tribute like this anyway sorry bird made me lose my trance out what the hell was i just talking what was i trying to explain I lost, um like, just uh stand-up <laughs> comedy stand-up comedy like you know it, oh, you I, was... I talking about shaq and kobe and i was going on some weird rant all oh, right <laughs> but my point being it's like uh i don't look at it as like it segueing from one thing that like I still really like music and just like I always have and I you know still really like sports like I always have and I I always did like stand up you know it wasn't like I just didn't do it you know it's like um or for whatever reason you know like to me what attracted me or what attracts me to stand up is is unique and different um but there, there's a lot of similarities with music and there's a lot of things that are mm-hmm. different but um uh there's like a there's a there's a there's like a there's a discipline that you have to have with it and there's a you know thinking on your feet and um like like having to be creative like on your feet and all all that kind of stuff um is like the same kind of gratification i get the same maybe satisfaction in certain ways through doing stand-up that i did with music where you're yeah you're you're using that part of your brain or whatever, but um, uh, it's just like, my, but my approach with it is also the same as it was with music when I started playing in bands when I was 14, where it was like I was doing it because there, there was no really end goal in mind, where it's just like I, like, I, like, I find joy in, the, you know, what, that feeling when you're like, at least when I was, when I was like 15 years old and my band was about to play a show at some crappy like you know coffee house or like you were about to play some crappy backyard kegger party to like 50 people but like you can't like sleep the night before because you're so excited about it you know like whatever that feeling was like that's how i feel when i do stand up now right like that like that yeah and i'm i'm sure like i'm not trying to you know like shit talk my music experience or anything like that like it's still like i'm sure like really fun and stuff but like for whatever reason like now doing stand-up it's like yeah it makes me feel like that whatever that feeling was you like it's an adrenaline chase like you like it's a something like that part of it also is knowing that you're not good at it right like knowing Mm -hmm. that like you're going to fall on your face but like that doesn't matter do it right it's like because you that's what you want to do anyway it's like dude like I, I played in terrible bands for years and years and years and subject. And it's like, didn't even figure it out until you 
toured the world a couple times where it was like and put out a record or two and it was like oh like it you know like oh this is when you finally kind of find yourself or figure it out how to do it you know with stand-up it's like yeah it's like i like that it's something that like i don't know what the hell i'm doing you know it's like i'm <laughs> like but, it, but like and i know that i'm mo- a lot of the time and weirdly sometimes it's 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 kind of people talk about bombing and stuff it's like it's good to bomb it's good to fail right because mm-hmm. it's like like fail like falling on your face that's that's how you learn not to do that again right it's like well i'll never i might fail again or i might bomb again but i'm never gonna fail that way you know like yeah um and that's something that like yeah is is, is something that's that i like about stand-up you know, it, it reminds me of that batman quote like where like alfred tells like a young bruce wayne where he's just like he goes why do we fall down master bruce so we can learn to get back up well, <laughs> we, had, we had comedian uh greg edwards on here yeah, like, yeah. two or three weeks ago on and we one of the comedians that we talked a lot about was um chris rock mm-hmm. and he basically talked about like chris rock was gonna quit comedy if he didn't like fucking kill it on his on his next like stand-up special that he's yeah. gonna have and like and like you know to me that that seems absurd like to me like chris rock is like my favorite comedian of all time i just love chris rock and yeah. like to to hear to hear him like be like man i suck like i'm gonna like quit comedy because i'm not good at this whole thing and like unless i do a really good job on the next one like well, so like because a lot yeah like a lot of pe- people forget so you're talking about the, the bring the pain special and yeah in particular yeah, you're talking about this is a dude he'd already put out and out like Chris Rock at that time. He'd been doing stand up for a while and had had movies and stuff like like CB4 happened, you know, like he had got his shots at things, but it was kind of like it, and he had done well or done. He was good stand up, but he, he'd never really like, yeah, knocked it out of the park or whatever. It was like and bring the pain was just like next level. Right. That was like one of those to me, like especially like anything that happened while I was doing music stuff, it was like for it to like, yeah, see through, like there, there was game changers though, like that. There was like that, like bring the pain was one of those or that, that, that Chappelle special from DC was like that, you know, the, was it killing them softly or whatever that one was like, where it's just like, um, yeah, but for people forget that, like at that time, like, yeah, like people in, in hindsight, people might think, well, that was just, Chris Rock was on this projection this entire time, but he was kind of like, he was underachieving for a while, like kind of before that in his mind, you know, or like to people like me, like I, like, I liked CB4. I thought CB4 was, I was probably one of the few people that saw CB4 when it came out and like got the jokes. It's like, yeah, it's like, that's, it's a, you're, you're, you're targeting a small audience when it's like, okay, you've got to know, you gotta be yeah. a hip hop fan for this to be funny to you. Otherwise, it's, like if you don't, because if you don't know this, that, and the other, none of this is gonna be funny. If you don't know who, like, he's, like, if you don't know who Easy is, or you don't know this, yeah, this yeah. is not. Fun. Yeah. So it's like it's like Spinal Tap uh, for like that era of hip hop. Absolutely, dude. CB4 is completely under it anyway. But like, like, yeah, like so in his eyes though, it's like that failed. But like, it, did it really fail? It's like it's there's still like. It might not have reached millions of people. There's hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people, me being one of them, that thought that was rad and thought that Chris Rock was at that time. But to most people, he was this like, yeah, that was a failure. That was like, so that's all subjective, obviously. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, it, it totally is subjective. Like, I, I can't even think of like, 
comedians that were doing good at the time. I mean, that's when like fucking uh, Gallagher Gallagher was smashing watermelons and stuff, and like <laughs> yeah, there's there's like like peaks to it. Like the '90s had its own peak, and I remember like because I lived down the street. Like I saw. You know, I saw Patrice O'Neal clear a room one time, like, you know, like sitting down on the stage. Yeah, really, really good stuff. It went from like, and and that's another reason that I think, sorry to to go in a huge circle, but like maybe why I, I I probably, maybe I wouldn't have been into doing stand-up if it wasn't in living in LA at this time. It's Mm -hmm. like, and I'm talking, of course, before 2020, before COVID, but it's like, it's it's really hard to explain like and i don't want to i wouldn't call it a comedy scene because it's not a scene but like because again this these are all people that are from nebrahoma or whatever you know it's yeah. like i'm <laughs> there's like two or three pe- other people that are like like that, that's what separates because it's different these people are all here to become rich and famous they're mm-hmm. trying to be most of them aren't really into stand-up like or you know what i'm saying it's like they're into the idea of using stand-up as a fucking way to become famous or whatever somehow right mm-hmm. like not to talk shit like whatever to each his own and that's cool like my thing with it is completely different where it's like i am from here and i live here regardless like you know mm-hmm. whether or not i'm doing good at stand-up or even doing stand-up or not doing stand-up i still live in LA. whether or not i fucking do music or don't do music or do well in music or don't do well i'm gonna still be here in la so it's like I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm surrounded constantly by people who are transplants. Yeah. yeah. Right. So like, yeah, like a lot of Cowboys fans, Steelers fans, uh, <laughs> Celtics fans, you know, whatever, you know, Yankee fans. Um, but, um, yeah, I just like, I do it because it's, I, it's fun. You know, it's like, if it stops, it's like with music, like I stopped playing music because it wasn't fun anymore. Like that's mm-hmm. the best explanation I can give people. It's like, and that doesn't mean that it won't ever be fun ever again because it still is fun. I still love, I'm still crazy obsessive about music and could, I could do a four hour conversation just track by track on the chronic. We could do a, a show on the chronic where we'd like, you could even go deep, go, you'd start a deep cover, right? And then you would like go from there, like obsessive about happen. it. Can, can, like, 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 where I like want to talk about like the kind of like mixing board, like, crazy obsessive stuff right anyway let's do it let's do that please that needs to happen that yes. honestly like as soon as you said that like my mouth started to water like, i started how, jacking off like your bird idea that was <laughs> me the, me and pigeon style. started jacking off yeah bird style <laughs> jacking up no i i agree with you like i was just talking i don't know if this is on a podcast or it was just me and jacob talking but like um you know i've kind of like dealt with like anxiety and depression for years so it's like one of the things that i I always go back to is like, just do what like makes you happy. So like yeah. I, was, I was talking to him about like, I, as a teenager, I used to like the wish you were here, Pink Floyd album. I used to fall asleep listening to that like night after night. Cause I just found it so relaxing and beautiful. And like, it would just put me in like this like beautiful headspace of like, I'm in like my mind is where this music is right now. And yeah. like, I hadn't done that for whatever. Cause you get a job and you kind of like whatever. And like shit gets in the way and you got taxes to pay or whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah. like that happens. And like the other day I was like, I'm going to fucking listen to Pink Floyd. Like I did when I was like 15 years old and like, just like chill out like in a dark room and like fall asleep listening to this. Cause it's like what I love. Like I love that element of like going that deep into music and like just 
being there or whatever like experiencing it yeah yeah and like and i was like it was it's it's dumb but it felt super rewarding to like do that one thing that took me back to like being a teenager where like shit didn't really matter besides like the thing that brought me like that pleasure of like well here's a question then do you think part of it was do you think that it was just having the physical album itself do you think that kind of added to the experience do you think that makes it different for people today is what i'm saying it's like mm. if you're just listening to it on your phone is that different than being able to like open up like right. the lyric sheet or whatever like and it, read all the yes. yeah i mean so like yes we're we're 90s you know like everything yeah. was like our cd format type of thing it wasn't until like later on like after high school when i started going to like college and stuff that i was like you know, I have a couple of vinyls. Actually, like Nine Inch Nails, one of the vinyls that I had, and I was like, I, I might as well start collecting some of these vinyls. And like now, it's like I have a huge vinyl collection. But like, I do think that for me, like having that physical presence of like I I can touch it and I can read the lyrics yeah. along and I can see like what the artist wanted me to like look at, like whatever the album cover was. Like it puts yeah. me in that headspace. Mm-hmm. And like yeah. I do think that phones have taken a little bit although i do enjoy the other the trade-off is i have every album ever made on my phone now it's <laughs> yeah. like that's the right. trade-off yeah. but but the but the other one is like the reward of, yeah like having a cd or a vinyl or whatever like forces you to sit down and listen to every song from yeah. start to finish and there is something yeah. really beautiful like i was talking you know me and jacob talk about music all the time but like tools last album like i really really uh enjoy that album but it took me so long like it was like my add brain couldn't like sit and listen to like a 10 minute long song because i just you know i had just become so accustomed to like give me like that fucking sugar rush of a two minute long song i just want the pop element to it and like it really wasn't till like i was out hiking one day and i didn't have the element of just switching it on my phone that i was like i had to listen to every song on there and i was like god damn like as i was listening to it on this hike Every everything was just like so lush and beautiful musically, and like there there's a song on there called like Mocking Beat or something like that, and I was just like, this is fucking like it was like painting the perfect picture to the environment I was in to that song. I was just like, like I don't want to say like that's what they had in mind because I don't I obviously didn't have in yeah. mind that I was gonna go hiking and listen to the album, but like it's definitely the type of music that forces you to like turn all that shit off, turn your TV off, turn all this yeah. shit off, and this is what's important at this moment, and just like. Let yourself like, yeah. Dip your body into it. Yeah. And then, so like, oh sorry. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. And like, kind of like theme of the this show that we're doing together is is like yeah. there's so many different aspects to people. I always call, I call them 3D people. Like there's one dimensional people that you know all they do is they play football, they watch football, they talk about football, even like when it's you know it's the middle of summer. And, and once their football good. career goes, once they're like ACL tears are done with their life, like yeah, it's just yeah. junior stay out, but bad joke but um you to bring up you know you know different artists you brought a body count you know i'm a big hip-hop hand head as well um metallica like all these yeah. bands you you'll see the album art and you're like oh wow he's wearing you know like uh pantera like they're wearing dallas cowboy you know clothes like oh yeah they're, they're big into sports or like you know uh you know your favorite musician like they're really into the same comedian or they'll reference things that you yeah. know that you're actively watching like Chris Rock's Bring the Pain so like all these worlds come together in art and you're like actively you know participating with it with within you know this other art form 
but it's referencing yeah. other art forms or you know sports or whatnot and it it kind of brings you a sense of community and i know like yeah. everyone's seen that meme like about podcasts and i get it dm to me like all the time like by our fans where it's just like you know listening to a podcast is like being the silent friend it's like the same thing like when you get an album yeah. you know and you're looking at the pictures you're looking at you know yeah. where this was recorded on sunset strip or you know in new york or whatever it creates yeah. like this sense of community where it's just like oh i'm best friends with tupac i'm best friends with uh yeah. you know james hetfield i mean because we share this mutual like of something that has nothing to do with the music so yeah. it adds that extra layer to it yeah for, i was gonna say for me my like my affinity for NWA was like, as soon as I got the record and I could read the inside and I found out that they recorded it like down the street from where I live. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, cause they made all those NWA records that it's called audio achievements. It was a studio, the studio in downtown Torrance. It was like seeing that, like, dude, they made this, they made these songs, they made fuck the police and like, like, right next door like like dude, right down the street that's like yeah it's like that blew my mind and like yeah it's like like a couple years ago yeah I, I saw one time i was at the mall and like uh it was like like easy was at the mall it was i think it was like <laughs> on this like the first time well i saw like they used to, i used to go to the the rhodium swap meet there was a swap meet that they do like that was on crenshaw and slosson on the beach and i well, not that far down. It's, oh. just, it's just, just, it's right across the street from like where the El Camino College is now. And that's like uh, where I saw like at a young, I saw Dre and Yella like mixing, like doing a DJ set wow. like at the Dang. swap meet when I was like a little, little kid, which is the first time I ever saw like in real life, like two turntables, like the, you know, that whole someone scratching and all like that, like kind of, but they, they weren't, Big on it. it was but they were just playing like like b-boy break beats and stuff for the most part but it just blew my fucking mind you know it's like um but yeah to see like the being able to read this that was like again like when it's like when i could hear the the dudes in black flag talking about like this place it's like oh that's like here you know it's like and the addresses for all this stuff is here and they recorded this thing yeah it's like there's another studio that's like literally like two like 50 yards from the first house i lived in in redondo beach mm -hmm. where they recorded like you know like pretty much all every black flag record and you know i don't know if we lost here but looks like we're glitching out but yeah i mean i f i feel you when you say that like you know growing up in the town where that are, from. Uh, like, like there you know um it's just okay you're back <laughs> he, yeah we can hear you now sorry guys <laughs> oh, okay. i'm new to the uh i'm new to the zoom game it's all good, brother. It happens as it happens as some, from time to time. Like I guess, like the PS Five came out, so it like fucks up everybody's internet and shit. So yeah. don't worry about it. We'll we'll fix it. We'll make it look sound pretty. But but oh yeah, I mean like yeah, I mean same here. Like 
I think for me going to the same high school that Jonathan Davis from Corn went to, like, it makes it feel yeah. like it makes it feel like man, what the fuck? Like we went to the same, like we ate in the same cafeteria, like you know, had he, some of the he, same teachers. He, he played the bagpipes because our mascot was the Scots, and like he was like the dude playing the bagpipes at the football yeah. games kind of thing. You know, like <laughs> it, it like it just adds that element to it to like. And then the other day I saw like the two guitar players from Corn like at some uh, uh, we have like this like kind of like this nature food restaurant downtown where just like kind of like vegan mm-hmm. drinks and stuff and like I saw them down there and I was like oh man like I don't want to be that fanboy that's like dude what the what are you guys doing down here but like <laughs> it is kind of just yeah. it adds that element of like this is this is badass like you know they they're here and like they're just drinking their like yeah their drinks the same place that I'm going to get my drink at kind of thing. You know, it's just, it, it, yeah. it makes it feel really like a natural place and like really like a, a doable thing of like, I don't know. I just, it, yeah. Very special. Yeah. Wait, so wait, is, is corn, is corn still playing or whatever? Are they like, are they technically a band right now or whatever that? I think so. Yeah. They're still touring. I mean, I don't think they're touring this year, obviously, but, no. but yeah, they're, they're still doing their thing. I think they just put an album out like last year. Mm-hmm. I, I, the way I, like it's so, been explained. In, to me. I mean, like who's in that band that is, is it like the, the original dudes? Like, like everyone, but the drummer, like, I, I think. Yeah. The drummer's the only person right, that's not in the band anymore. Say. Yeah. So, but Phil D's still in it. Um, head and monkey, they're still in it. And then Jonathan Davis. And then, you know, I follow each and one, each one of them individually, and they all kind of seem like they like lead different lives, but then kind of come yeah. back together for the project. So, um, I'm not I'm not gonna try to speak out of place, but like I've kind of heard that it's just like it's kind of a business arrangement at this point. Like, well, they're like fifty yeah. percent of the band is like super Christian now and just kind of yeah. wants to do like their Christian projects now, and like the the rest yeah. is like Monkey and Jonathan are like the only ones that are like corn one hundred percent. Yeah drinking beer yeah. off the, the floor and shit still yeah like i, I it, i'm assuming it's, it's the one the one guitar player is the guy who's like full-on meth head guy or whatever yeah and he, is he he came back is he like born again guy or something yeah now? he's all born again christian yeah the guy i never the only other the only dude that i ever really spent any time that monkey dude is i yeah. think that's he's he's a he's nice he's cool nice guy yeah uh, he is yeah but i I, I don't get the impression that he's the yeah I wouldn't have the impression that he's the uh, Warner Grant. No no yeah one. no yeah Monkey and uh, <laughs> Jonathan the lead singer are probably the only two that are like fully invested in the project and like doing yeah. and, and and the music has taken a hit like you can really tell that it's just those two guys and not that the other guys don't care about the music but they're more yeah. into like the like let's do the born again christian thing and like do our let's focus more on our side projects now kind of thing mm-hmm. yeah 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 well i mean they're, they're lucky to be alive the ones that are alive that's good good for them you know? that's true yeah. yeah i guess we play i played a show with i guess nails and corn played a show in 2005 yeah is that five or six i remember that was we did that the rock acoustic or almost or whatever that is christmas thingy and that was when they had i want to say that the one of the dudes the dude who was that had the 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 meth problem or whatever yeah. <laughs> wasn't in the band they had some dude like playing behind the curtain like oh, you know, like yeah. And yeah because they play, and i was like because we had our stuff set up next to each other 
I was just like, why? I was like, oh, like I didn't. That's the first time I'd ever seen anything like that. I was like, blowing my mind. But like, uh, yeah, that's cool that they got they got they got that one dude to come back or whatever. That's cool. Yeah, I was glad too because that was my favorite dude. <laughs> I had. He was right definitely on. popular. I mean, that's that's the sound of that band. That, that whole sound of that band is those two guys playing guitar together, right? For the Off most part, like, yeah. I they, mean, not yeah, like. And they kind of like. I mean, you can't have one without the other. It, that's how I feel. I mean, yeah. you know, I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. You know, they grew up together, going to East Bakersfield High School together. Uh, their yeah. MTV show that they did, like they like, I was there at East when they did this. They drove like their like you know, Cadillac Escalade, like, onto the football field and we're doing donuts <laughs> in the middle of football practice yeah, yeah, yeah. and shit. And, yeah. uh, you know, like, they're best friends. So, like, it was kind of like one of those stories, too, where it's just like, oh, man, we, we got to bring it, we got to bring the best friends back together. Right? Like, you hate to see, like, a story where they split. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's funny, like, going back to, like, the whole, like, high school thing and, like, just tying this whole thing together of, like, you know, having the physical copy or whatever, like, um... There's like, you know, I talked about Pink Floyd. Like, obviously, I wasn't around when Pink Floyd put out the, like, Wish You Were Here album. But, like, it really takes me back to those places, like, places that I I never really experienced. And, like, you know, I, I can't imagine what it was like putting putting something like that together. Also, like, my girlfriend's favorite band is Bikini Kill. So, like, just listening to, like, Bikini Kill, like, in my opinion, the way it was meant to be heard from, like, start to finish, like, just puts me in that mood where everything's just so lo-fi but but like right but everything is like so like passion driven like like they're probably recording this in like a fucking room smaller than the room we're in and like (laughs) yeah but like the passion is driving like the fact that these people want to put this out and like have the passion to put it out and like yeah you feel it like you feel it in like that lo-fi recording which just always puts like such an excitement in my heart of like hearing that kind of stuff yeah but part of it like like same with the packaging and stuff. Like for me, like yeah, I'm massive Bikini Kill fan too. Like saw him a couple times. I didn't see any of the reunion stuff, but saw him a couple times. Mm-hmm. You know, a lifetime ago. And part of the thing was that, like, you know, when you got one of the records, like, it was gonna have like, yeah, they'd have like like some one of those zines that was like stuffed into it or whatever. And they're like, other than the lyrics, there was gonna be like, you know, some sort of like manifesto written or some sort of yeah. like or an excerpt from like a z like some you were gonna get all this stuff you know that came with that you could like absorb what that that's i admittedly like that's i bikini kill and like riot girl and stuff was like my pathway into like feminism and stuff like that you know that's like how i like and that was a big deal to be able to be immersed with all the like stuff that came with the record, you know, when not having it and just streaming it, I don't, I don't know if it's quite the same. Yeah, part of it's like, yeah, you, and you look at these addresses, you're like, oh, I know where that is, or I know this, that, or the other, you know, like, and uh, or like, yeah, where they recorded it, like knowing that, yeah, that they didn't have a huge budget or whatever. It was like, oh, they just did this in like a day, like that's crazy, whatever it is, you know, like, yeah, um, it, that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, I don't, I. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think people's experiences with everything's just a little different, you know. So. Yeah, it's very, it's very uh, short attention span now. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Like you're right. Like you know, Bikini Kill. I never thought about it. 
I mean, but yeah, the, the whole like riot girl movement, like it really does lend itself to like, hey, like being a feminist and feminist is okay to do. And like, it's like gives you that segue and it gives you like information yeah. whenever you like are interested in a band like Bikini Kill. Like, yeah, the music's music and like the element of like a song that you can like nod your head to is like the, the gateway, but then it leads you to like all these things that you probably never were exposed. At least I wasn't exposed to, even though I have like a pretty progressive family that I grew up in, like never was exposed to like the riot girl movement and like having like these like feminist, like, like, like ideals yeah. and stuff like that. So I was like really like thrilled whenever like I started listening to a bikini kill and like other bands, whether it be like a rage against the machine and they're like, more politically active or like uh, active or like yeah. uh, some like vegan van that like has like, you know, like uh, there's this band called like gouge away that I, I love. And like one of their songs is called um, until all the cages are free. And it basically talks about like, you know, animal cruelty to like animals that are being experimented on. And in like the back of the album, it's like all this information about like what you can do to like help like, cruelty free like animal things and i'm like i hadn't yep. even thought about that but i was like that that is kind of sick like i didn't think about like the fact that they don't just give you the music and just whatever but it's like the package actually like gives you information of, like what you can do to like absolutely yeah like that like that that and you're speaking of like yeah like animal right things like yeah my experience with like growing up in punk hardcore community whatever you want to call it uh was like yeah like any show I was going to go to, it was going to be like, okay, if it bikini kill, bikini kill didn't have, it wasn't like a riot girl show. It was like bikini kill playing with a bunch of other like bands that had like, yeah, at the time, the other thing that was going on in the underground movement that was, that was like, as far as like radical politics, it was like, yeah, animal liberation and veganism and all this kind of like this, there was like the Krishna core thing happening as well. But there was like, you know, it's like if you bought any of those early uh, records that came out on Victory, where it was like you know Earth Crisis or those types of bands, were talking about like like some serious like like yeah, that's it's, it's how you it's where I went to get informed about radical politics, you know. But like mm -hmm. you would get like for See. Victory stuff, there would be like all this, there'd be all this a little packet on animal liberation, or, or this record has an entire thing on like why going vegan is a is you know it's like you would get all this kind of stuff that would overwhelm it the same way that like i thought that was really cool when when zach started rage you know he's coming like this is post inside out you know he's like what hard stance and like uh inside he's coming from this hardcore background where that's what you did was like and then he kept that going didn't happen on the first one and that was kind of a point of contention i think with him and the other guys but that second rage record right fucking like has like an entire thing on the inside where it's like, here's all these places you can go to find out more about this stuff, right? Like, that's huge, like, massive. Like, like I think about that just, yeah, in context with, like, people who, like, rage against the machine these days, like, that was half the experience, I, or right or wrong, whatever, but at the time, it was like, yeah, your mind is being blown, not just by incredible, an incredible band, incredible music, but, like, all this like maybe stuff that you hadn't considered politically or whatever socially like it, it it just opened was it was about intellectualizing and educating people and empowering people through education and 
all that kind of good stuff that I don't know if that happens on a streaming platform through your phone. You know, it's like you, yeah. you just want to hear fucking gorilla radio or whatever it is. <laughs> fucking, you know, it's like you're not getting, like anyway. But yeah. it kind of reminds me to to keep going back to the NWA thing because I think me and you really connecting on that is that you know we saw this summer you know in the beginning of this year too with 2020. That you know that you know the whole Black Lives Matter movement you know going on, and then the country is so split where like you know you have like the president you know you know you know hyping up the Proud Boys and like all these like quasi you know you know racist groups and whatnot, and then coming from like my experience growing up with you know being like two or three years old listening to N.W.A., but like yeah. getting the message behind that, like getting the message behind fuck the police, and then understanding like oh when people are what people are trying to say when they're saying defund the police now in 2020 going back to like records in like 1988 where it's just like, Oh, these, these, this is like a chronic problem that keeps happening in the black community. Dr. Dre says it in his VH one, you know, behind the music, you know, special back like in the early two thousands where he's like, I grew up, you know, during the rots Watts riots. And it's just like, these are like patterns that just keep, you know, repeating themselves. And you see it being repeated in 2020 where it's just like, Oh, okay. This yeah. is this is where my stance needs to be, you know, yeah. with, you know, my African-American friends and, you know, educating people that don't understand that because they grew up, you know, listening to like no effects or fucking blink 182 or something like that. So they don't get they don't get the other side of the coin or, you know, five finger death punch or something like that. They don't get, you know, where, you know, African, African-Americans are coming from. So it's like me being half white growing up with I say it like, you know, I look like Snow White's little brother, you know. You know, growing up with a lot of privilege, like explaining to other white people, like, hey, this is where they're coming from. They're not here to just like, you know, loot fucking all of downtown or Santa Monica or whatever like that. That's not the goal. Yeah. You know, the goal is just like, hey, we want our voices to be heard. We're sick of seeing, you know, our people being killed on national television. We're sick of, you know, hearing grandpa stories, you know, play out still in 2020 where we should be a lot better than we are now. Where it says we're just repeating the same the same problems over and over again. And to internalize that, you know, from like 1988 to keep bringing up that beautiful year again, you know, of NWA 92 fucking, you know, 2020, like all these patterns. And it's just like, yo, I've seen where, you know, these places have gone and this is where I need to stand this time in history. So, yeah, no, it's yeah. For me, like for, for, for a dude who's 40 something. Right. And like, Having grown up in LA, like I, yeah, I, I remember walking home from school in like the, in '92 and the fires, right? Like, just, yeah, I remember. I remember the city being on fire. I remember, like, um, yeah, like it, there was a. I mean, I was obviously a lot younger, but like, you know, I know there was a different sense of fear with that, but it was also like. No, it, it, it was it was a crazy time like uh it, it was with the 2020 stuff like it's for someone who grew up here or whatever where yeah and then experienced things where yeah like uh watching the city burn down or whatever or and personally my experience like i got my like getting your ass kicked by lapd was almost like a rite of passage for people my gen- like that's mm-hmm. getting my face slammed down onto the hood of a car like did i i had I had a policeman like empty my backpack out in front of me one time. You know, the first time I ever got called a faggot by a grown man. Like I've been called a faggot before. You know, it's like, but to have a, an adult 
like call you a faggot was a was a LAPD police officer. Yeah. Like I that blew my mind. Like uh yeah, like it growing up here when in, in the nineties and stuff, it was like one of the, one of the many differences. Yeah, like if you if you dressed or looked different, but if you were like a punk kid, a thrash metal kid, like a hip hop kid, you know, like what whatever or whatever the fuck. If you were a skater, anything that was like you know, not the norm or whatever, like you were they they were trying to just fucking get you out. Yeah, yeah. Like you had a massive target on your back. And it was like I got yeah, like it's this the yeah, it, it fuck Cutting out again. Cutting out again. <laughs> but I will say this, I do think that since that time period, um just society and like media has done everything it can to make everyone into like I don't want to say conformist, but everything just feels so cookie cutter. Like hip hop music feels very cookie cutter and very much in its like most of it. I would say like eighty percent of it was is like very much fits into this box that isn't scary. It's very commercial. It very much just fits into like the mold of what is going to be on MTV and on the radio. And same thing for rock. Like you mentioned, Five Finger Death Punch. Like Five Finger Death Punch is like let's be pro the troops and pro like blue lives matters kind of thing. Like, yeah. and like, oh, I think we, I think he cut out. Yeah. We'll oh bite man. Him back. We'll invite him back. But, um, yeah, we lost Aaron for now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think he's right. And, um, let me send him a quick message really quick, uh, just to get him on the same page. But yeah, like, um, I do think, uh, let me, um, Anyways, yeah, I do think that, like, music in general has just become so, like, cookie-cutter and cut-and-paste and, and, like, not so dangerous. Like, very few musicians that I've I've seen in, like, the rock element, like, do I get really excited for. And, you know, there's few. Every once in a while, like, I'll come across, like, a a few musicians that just really excite me. But it they're so out of the mainstream that like, there's no way that these are ever going to get played on MTV, let alone the radio. Like, like it, it just, it's just not going to happen. And that to me is like the sad part. Like, will there ever be another like rage against the machine or a bikini kill or like a nine inch nail? I mean, there's, we've, we've talked about like younger bands that are doing cool shit. Like I think like a code orange is like very exciting and like all these other bands, but for the most part, like nothing that I've been blown away by. Sorry, guys. It's all good, brother. We got it you back. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody I, got I a PS Five. Didn't didn't want. I also didn't want. Didn't want to take it down too dark of a road for everybody there. Like on the segment, just like oh, he's talking about getting called a faggot and getting ah. beat up by the police and stuff. So no, it's all good. <laughs> That's the premise of this podcast. It was getting too real, so the government had to shut us down. The deep state. Alex Jones <laughs> came in with his shirt off and cut the internet feed downtown. <laughs> but um, no, that, I mean our podcast. We deal with all that stuff. You know, that's the overall arching you know theme of this. We talk about you know politics. We talk about music. We talk about sports. We talk about that's the whole thing about you know. Dude, we just want to be like as well rounded, like cover everything. Because like one of the things that we we one of the things we cover a lot about is like paranormal stuff and like all these things like that. But for the yeah, most yeah. part, it's like, yeah, that that's kind of like a hobby of mine. That's just like, I'm going to go on YouTube and like look up like creepy shit. And like, mm-hmm. that's my like 
30 minutes I do before I go to bed or something like that. I just want to look up creepy shit. And, like, why don't we do that on a podcast sometimes? But for the most part, like, we're, like, huge musicians, fans of, like, just all kinds of musical genres. Like, like, so, like, and politics and everything. Our first episode was, like, when Trump got elected, we wanted to do an episode of, like, how it was, like, affecting the United States and all these things. So, like, we're no – we are you familiar with the band The Locusts? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we had Justin on here, and we – we went down like a very like political road um when when Justin was on and we talked we of, of course talked about like Dead Crosses like the band that he's in right now but mm. like but but yeah i mean like it we're it's not like a taboo thing for us like we go down like whatever road like feels necessary yeah. i guess at the yeah. time and date yeah it's but it's comforting like you said at the beginning of this show to be able to talk to a like-minded individual i mean I you know, know you hit for me personally, you hit you you check all the boxes. You were a Nine Inch Nails, check. <laughs> you're a Lakers fan, check. Dodgers fan, check. Honestly, your yeah. passion for uh, Dr. Dre's The Chronic was uh, pretty. Oh, uh, I'm just. I, I, don't, yeah, don't get me like Dr. Dre is one of those like outlier ge- music genius dudes where it's like I think people a lot of yeah they either don't give him enough credit. You know, there, there's a handful of people like that where it's like. Uh, like the, specifically his like the G funk era stuff like mm-hmm. I'm ridiculously into. But even that, did you guys like that last record? The, the Compton. The, the yeah. Did you guys check that? Because a lot, a lot of people kind of glo- it was like I think a lot of people were disappointed or confused by it. Like I don't know. Like I liked I it. It, it, it kind of lost some people though. I liked it. I mean, I was. I mean, when you set the standards so high, like where every album you put out is a classic. I mean, yeah, you're yeah. gonna be disappointed if because if it's not a classic, you know. Like I mentioned yeah. before, Metallica is my favorite band, and a lot of people gave you know the first S and M crap. A lot of people gave Garage Inc crap. A lot of people give Load and Reload, and half of those albums are whatever you know crap. Um, Saint Anger is trash. Um, but death magnetic and, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, hardwired, you know, they aren't classics, but there is some really great material in there. If you roll your sleeves up and you look and you know, that whole Dr. Dre album, like, yeah, when you first, first listen to it, you're like, Oh, it's not 2001. It's not the chronic. It's not doggy style. It's not, you know, you know, Eiffel four Zagan, but there is some very good tracks within it that you know hey like you're you're rolling down the street you might be smoking indo with your mind on your money or whatever <laughs> but you that song comes on you listen to it and you're like wow that that fucking just hits a different way that a Kanye West song's not going to hit that you yeah. know a fucking wop's not going to hit it just hits you a different way and it's beautiful because you're like on this journey with this musician Dr. Dre who I've grown up with so i yeah. i liked it I, I liked it too i thought that song animals was like really really good like yeah um i liked it for not just the fact that yeah it doesn't hit the same way like the chronic hits but he moved away from like doing like a straight up like g-funk sound which i think is kind of bold to do at that point in his career yeah because that's what most people were expecting like give us another chronic album and like he kind of went in a different direction which i totally respect that he went in that direction and like he embraced a lot of the like newer things that were going on in hip-hop which i'm sure he's like a music nerd and like loves like the producing element of it and you see that in the production of the album so i really i liked it when it came out 
It's not been like my most played album since it came out, but I, I did really enjoy it. I like it. That, um, that that first or second song or whatever track on there that with Kendrick Lamar is like from an engineering production door standpoint is bananas. Like what he's doing on like the 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 bass line with this like is this descending thing and there's like ascending piano part. Like uh-huh. it's ridiculous. That thing like Layers. slipped my lid when I heard that like track. Like and I know that's not even like I, I feel bad because I can't think of his name right now, but there's like another dude that he's was working with that actually like specifically like produced that track with him. Um, but um, Scott Storch and a lot of it, like, I can't remember. Is that, I, but um, that I think a lot of, yeah, it, it's a, it's a, it, in the context of it too, because I like everyone that was a fan had been waiting to, you know, I, I've got a lot of that retalks, whatever the, the, the stuff like, tracks that he did with jay-z and to dmx you know all that stuff that's completely who knows if that'll ever even come out but um knowing that he had been working on this thing that he just last minute just completely abandoned and didn't put any of that on it and then just started it was, he only put the stuff that he had been working on in the space of like from a month before yeah. pretty much like like anyway like yeah it's it's not it's it's not gonna be like uh as a classic like some of those other records but there's at least moments on there that are pretty ridiculous like Mm -hmm. yeah in my opinion dr dre is the greatest hip-hop producer of all time Um, absolutely i put him up there with prince as far as you know discovering new talent maybe even a little bit above prince because i mean apollonia is not like still hitting after 30 years but i mean um i mean he's just a musical genius and um we definitely (laughs) i'm already i'm already penciling in that episode we got to do a track by track review of (laughs) chronic with you brother yeah 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 you guys, you're, you're, you guys got like a cool set and everything, man. Like I, I, I dig it. Like, Hell yeah! Here we cool. go. These like, hot sauce. It's all El Yucateco yeah. money, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's me being bored at home, like working from home. Like I get all my interviews done for my job super early, and the yeah. rest of the time is like looking up like how to have a better YouTube set. So like, the, yeah. if the quarantine brought us anything, it brought us a Lakers championship, a World Series to the Dodgers. And it brought us a way better fucking podcast. Setup. Dude, when we started this podcast, it was it's definitely like you know we talked about like those like bikini kill records that sound like they're in like a small room. Like, yeah. dude, like it could not get any smaller than how we started this. Like, I had a really like I had like a two thousand four like Apple Macintosh like computer and like a microphone that I bought on Amazon. And For I six was bucks. Like, yeah, and I was like, dude, let's just do a podcast. And like that was like literally like our first like. 12 episodes that were just recorded on like sitting on a leather couch like thigh by thigh yeah, so legs we're sharing touching. one microphone yeah and my ac was out in the middle of a bakersfield summer so i believe our first episode was recorded and it was like 109 degrees inside of my house so i mean we yeah. literally put blood it, sweat and tears on yeah this shit. it was really rough like doing those like and of course like the driving thing is like the passion of like, hey, let's just do another episode. Let's just do another yeah. episode, and like for the for the love of it, man, for the love. It's yeah, great. yeah. It's and awesome. like, yeah, man. It's it's funny. Like like a lot of times we'll have guests on, and like we'll talk about things like, like you know, we you know Bakersfield is not really known for a lot of things besides like <laughs> bad air quality and like <laughs> and like maybe if there's corn fans or whatever. That's really about it. And like. 
like we yeah. want it to be like that that be the change you want to see like you know like we yeah. wanted we wanted to see like cool shit coming out of bakersfield so we're like let's do a podcast let's do something cool let's like have like people that we like like let's 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 have comedians that we like let's have musicians that we like let's have just well-rounded people that are like just come on here and like give bakersfield a better name i guess like yeah and like it's yeah. all just it's just been so such a change to go from like having people such as yourself on from like and you know me and jacob like sweating on top of each other like it's it's been weird and then like having like of course like uh there's another local podcast called like sofa king and like getting their like seal of approval going like you guys are all right you guys are you guys are doing okay <laughs> and like, yeah. it's been it's been nice it's been a really nice like trip that's cool Hell yeah. very cool very cool yeah man it's it's like been really cool yeah like thanks for letting me uh run my mouth and on all my sports and music biases and all that kind of stuff but like yeah they, that's really really cool you guys you guys are doing doing something really cool man don't don't stop until the wheels fall off oh they're Dude. not gonna fall off i got double bloated on man fucking um, we, we already paid locks. for the website domain name so like we can't stop <laughs> yeah <laughs> at least for yeah. another year so um with that said, um, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Is there anything you want to promote? Social media, upcoming shows, new projects, or anything like that? Uh, no, I mean, because 2020 is uh, I, the job. I, I was doing, I was a sound man at the local crummy uh, downtown uh, bar slash venue. Uh, so I, I'm not working. There's no, the, you know, the the comedy show that I was putting on, you know, it's like, can't, can't do those right now. I haven't been able to do those this entire year. So that's like, oh, we do those on zoom. I think we're going to do one more zoom show. That's might be the only thing I'd have like, that would be sometime around new year's. And then um, starting next year, I'm assuming when things are different with the new administration and, and there's going to come out some sort of pill that everyone, you know, everyone's going to be able to take the Pfizer magic pill and, yeah. Everything will kind of go back to normal, then then I'll be able to go back to at least putting on, you know, a comedy show thing and, and doing stand up again and stuff. But uh, that's all that's really going on. But, yeah. Where, where, where can they check that out, sir? Uh, the show is called The the Whenever. Is it The Whatever? This is, uh, the, uh, I'm, not, I'm not even stoned or anything, Pigeon. It's The Whenever Show. Right? Yeah, anyway. And it's. Uh, yeah, you can find you just Google or you Google my weird pale ass, the, the weird guy who looks like a walking corpse, and it'll be in one of those link type things somewhere. Sweet. Well, we'll yeah. check it out for sure. So, um, thank you once again, Aaron, for coming yeah. on. And for thank sure, for sure, I want to have you on. We're gonna dissect the chronic, <laughs> dude, okay? I'm telling you, dude, like I could even do not again, not to, to spark up. You talk about Metallica, that you and me. I've got questions then. I, I need to know, like, what's the first LP? I need to know orders. Like, does it go? You got it, like, puppets kill them all? Like, are you going... Ride the lightning. Ride the lightning? Or, look, okay, see, that's... See, I could do... I could probably do, like, a week's worth of content just on that argument alone. Right? I, I've said... I'm on record saying, like, if somebody had no idea what, like, metal music was, and okay. you could give them one album to figure out, like, what metal music is, I would give them Ride the Lightning. Yeah, see, Ride the Lightning has the best songs, like Creeping Death, Bells, fucking Fade to Black, right? The first two. 
But like, come on, you take Creeping Death, side two is a turd, right? No offense, Ooh. but like, <laughs> compared to like, I mean, there's some turds here and there on, on a couple of other, like uh, Jump in the Fire to me is a turd, you know, but like, anyway, yeah. <laughs> uh, when Whenever we're in LA, have you ever been to that restaurant and grill them all in LA? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. If we're ever in LA, man, we gotta hit you up. And, yeah, we'll hit it up. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, you can watch me stuff food down my face like a like a weirdo. Like, we'll, like I am. Like, just, we'll have yeah. that Metallica conversation on the podcast, yeah. but definitely, man. Like, if we're in LA, once this whole awful COVID thing stops, yeah, man, we gotta get yeah. some grill them all and like part two yeah. of that discussion needs to happen. Hell yeah! So it sounds uh, like we got uh, two episodes <laughs> ready to go. So. <laughs> Aaron, I'll what let up? you get to Pigeon. Hopefully, he's not jacking off on the corner right now. Yeah, I hope so. I hope, I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. We'll see. All right, bro. All right, man. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah. yeah, have a good night. You, you too, too, bro. Take it easy. Cool. So, everybody, that was Aaron North, from uh, formerly of Nine Inch Nails, um, amongst other bands. Well-rounded individual, man. Super stoked that he was on here and he had the time to and it literally dawned on me like while we were talking that um <laughs> that i saw him live um he was like the one of the first guitarists that i seen live um in concert and now he's on my podcast like that's such a fucking crazy thing that's almost crazier than mark hunt taking a shit live yeah on no us, so. i mean i the first two nine chanel shows i saw i think they were the first two nine chanel shows they were both in fresno but the first one was like a very like exclusive like small theater show where it was all seats, and he's right. That was the first time. I've, that was the first time he ever performed as Nine Inch Nails, and like I was like blown away because you know he beats the shit out of his amp and like they had like just like these electrical panels behind them. It was kind of a small setup compared to the the second time I would see them with with mm-hmm. Queens of the Stone Age opening up for them, and like he was just like it. He was kind. Of, he's a showman. Like I'll give him that. Like if you Google like what he does, there's like a really funny performance of I don't know about funny, probably not funny to the people at the venue, but uh, where he takes his guitar and smashes it into like this like frame guitar that's on like the side of the venue, <laughs> and then he steals the guitar and all the security guards like rush after him. Pretty cool. Also at that Fresno show, that's the one where he like took his amp and throws it off the stage and like almost hits a, a, a security? Like, security guard, and like all security guards are like. Hey man, like what are you doing? Like it was after like had like a hole. Like that was the last song of the night, and he's like, oh, "I'm out of here." <laughs> like, good luck cleaning this up. Oh, not my job. <laughs> Great guy though. I was. I'm always thrilled to have a guest on, and it's always like doubly thrilled when like especially, they're great people. Yeah, especially yeah, like when you can connect on so many different levels. It's like you said that the layer of the onions. So, speaking of layers of onions, uh, thank you for coming this far into the episode. Make sure you check us out on. All the social medias at Art and Jacob Do America, except for Twitter, we are at Art and Jacob Do A1. Make sure you check out our merch shop at tpublic.com. Make sure you subscribe to our Patreon. If you like this this material and you want to hear us have more, you know, casual conversation, uh, usually every week. Um, Last week I fucked up and I didn't record one, but that's okay. Mm. I was recovering from possible (laughs) COVID infection. Spoiler alert, it wasn't COVID, but. Go to Patreon, give us $1, give us $5, but you'll get some stuff back in return. Like I said, I have some El Yucateco swag that I've been sending out. Finally, 
finally got um, a t-shirt out to Nicole Smith Bosch out in South Africa. Shout out to Brent for helping me ship that out because I got that thing sent back like three times. Uh, <laughs> but if you guys, that's where we start the community at. It's right there on uh, the Patreon. Um, also, too, uh, make sure you check out um, com where you can find links to all of this stuff. So if you don't want to individually search it, just go there. Um, beautiful brown recluse right here. You put the website together. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm going to definitely do some updating on that website probably New Year's weekend. So I'm excited. I, I know. So with that said, make sure you check us out on the Podbelly Network um, where, you know, you can pig out on podcasts and listen to other Podbelly uh, podcasts such as our sisters at the We're Not Sure Yet podcast. Um, Ectoplasm, great podcast there. Um, the RRBG podcast. I just had Eddie on last week where he filled in for art and we had a really crazy discussion like it's almost like a Kurt Cobain um Courtney Love uh, conspiracy theory about Ollie from All That Remains um hope to turn that into a, a full-length uh podcast room. hopefully all of our schedules can you know match up and I, we can give you that conspiracy theory that's fucking crazy it blew my mind uh but check out other great podcasts at podbelly.com as well as all of our Sponsors Caveman Coffee and El Yucateco, where you can go kind to their shops. There. There like, I was like, oh, <laughs> Jacob, I think Jacob just had an aneurysm. I'm pretty, I'm pretty hungry right now. I'm not gonna lie, my blood sugar is low. So, with that said, Art, do you have anything else, sir? Uh, no. Uh, shout out to the We're Not Sure Yet podcast. We kind of had a, a little online discussion about how I believe that it is more likely that we live in a flat Earth than a hollow Earth. Oh yeah. So, because they just had an episode about Hollow Earth, and I was just like, no, like I was, I don't want to say like I'm gonna shut that one down, but like, I, I, I think we're more likely that we live on a flat Earth than a Hollow Earth. Just saying. That's I ain't no scientist though, so I don't know. I, I think both are bullshit, but I'll lean more oh, toward yeah, your no, way. But, yeah. but with that said, everybody, have a beautiful night. Good night.